0: Hello everyone and welcome to the first ever episode of Nothing But Net. This is going to be our basketball specific show and we are so excited to bring you this show. Now I am not normally going to be your host for the show. Normally your hosts are going to be Evan
1: and Thomas. Evan, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello everyone, I'm Evan. I'm super excited to be a part of Deep Dive Sports and be talking basketball. I'm a huge NBA fan, um, a Cavs fan in particular, um, so I'm just excited to get started. Heck yeah. Unfortunately, Thomas wasn't able to be with us tonight, but hopefully in the future, he will hop
0: on here and him and Evan are going to have a blast giving you guys this episode. Um, Today, David is going to be filling in for him. Obviously, you know who David
1: is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But I'm going to be hosting this first episode and we're just going to kind of go over some fun topics that have happened over this past week and then kind of talk about some stuff that's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. Obviously, we're going to have to talk about You know Steph Curry breaking Ray Allen's career three-point record. We're going to talk about Klay Thompson's, you know, impending return, even Kyrie's impending return that kind of got a little (laughs) derailed or delayed, if you want to say. And then we're going to kind of get into a little bit of the um, COVID ravaging, if you want to say, of you know just not the NBA but all sports in general. And then you know it's it's going around, so we're going to kind of talk about how that's affected the NBA as a whole. But to start off the episode, we're going to start off in our first quarter. And we're going to kind of talk who's hot and who's not. So I want to kind of get Evan's opinion on who's hot and who's not to start off the episode.
1: All right. So I'll start with who has been hot. Um, There were a couple of teams I was looking at for this. Um, You know, obviously the Utah Jazz, the Golden State Warriors have been having great starts to their season. But I wanted to talk about the Chicago Bulls um, to start off with. In their last 10 games, they're 8-2 and and they're currently on a five-game win streak. Um, And during this period, they've been doing it a lot with just insanely efficient offense. Um, Two of their star players have been Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, and they're both scoring about 29 points per game each over those last five games, which is pretty crazy for a pair of teammates. Um, And DeRozan in particular has been really, really good this season. Uh, He's probably number five in the MVP race right now behind, you know, your common favorites of Curry, Durant, Jokic, Giannis. Um, And this is really crazy because he was kind of stashed away in San Antonio for the last couple of years, not on a great team. Um, And when the Bulls signed him, I saw a couple articles calling him the worst offseason acquisition, huge overpay. And uh, that's just not been the case. So I'm just interested to see if the Bulls can keep this up. Um, Their next five games are pretty manageable. They have the Pacers, the Wizards, the Magic, the Wizards again, and then the Mavericks. Um, so I'm interested to see if they can keep that up um, those five games, and then they play the Brooklyn Nets. So I think that'll be the real test coming up in a in a little bit here. But I've been I've been very impressed with the Bulls so far, especially in these uh, last few weeks. Okay, all right. Who's your who's not hot for you? So for me, not hot have been the Portland Trailblazers. Um, you know, they had big expectations coming the season, as you always do with Damian Lillard as your star player. Um, he struggled a lot to start the year having some abdominal issues, Um, and then particularly in their last 10 games, they are 2-8, and and they've now lost three games in a row. And even further than that, of their last 16 games, they've lost 13 of those, and their only two wins have been Damian Lillard scoring scoring over 35 points each, so they've needed huge efforts from him um, to call out of those wins. Uh, They've been, the past couple years, they've had a pretty bad defense and um, during the off season, they were hoping to improve that. They got a new head coach, uh, Chauncey Billups, who was looking to improve the defense. And it is still bad. It's 29th in the league. Um, it's only slightly worse than the Houston Rockets, um, who obviously are a very young rebuilding team. And the Portland Trailblazers should obviously be in a much higher position than this, um, based on their last few seasons of postseason success. Um, I also found an interesting stat. From John Schunemann of NBA.com, he said Portland is the only defense that ranks in the bottom five in both opponent field goal percentage in the paint and opponent field goal percentage outside the paint. So they can't defend inside. They can't defend outside. Uh, they really can't defend anybody. Um, but I'm I'm going to keep an eye on them because even with all these struggles, they're only a game and a half out of the 10 seed, which would qualify them for the play-in tournament, and only three games out of the 7 seed. Damian Lillard has started to play much better as of late in these last two games. And CJ McCollum is returning soon from a collapsed lung. So if they're going to start to make a run and hope to get back to the playoffs, they're going to need to start to pick it up pretty soon here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The that's, that's a kind of weird one. Cause like you said, they've, they've made a pretty good push in the playoffs the past couple of years. And to kind of go back to your Chicago Bulls point, I don't see how anybody didn't think that team was going to be good. <laughs> they put a squad together and then you get the ultimate energy guy in Co- and um, Caruso and yeah, that that team is that team is gonna look nice playoff time. That's not gonna be a team anybody wants to play, and I think that they can give almost anybody fits, you know, except for maybe maybe the Warriors if they're full strength. But that's a conversation. <laughs> David, who is your who's hot and who's
2: not for the not hot? This is more of a surprise not hot and surprise hot. Uh, but for the not hot, I've got the Dallas Mavericks they are in a much lower position than they probably should based on how they've been performing over the last few years. In 34 games, they have an averaged 105.3 points per game, 43.4 rebounds, 23 assists, and about seven steals a game, Uh, which isn't terrible, but for the team that they have, being that they have Luka Doncic, they have Christoph Sorzingas. Um They should be higher than that, to be honest. For the hot, I've got, ironically, the Miami Heat. Uh, through 35 games, they've got uh, about 107 points, 44 rebounds, 25 assists, and 7.2 steals, which also shows that the level of play in the Eastern Conference has increased because in past years, that would be amazing numbers. They would be top three, if not the top in the East, based on how usually weak the East really is uh, on average. But, anyways, that's just interesting stuff.
0: Okay. Yeah, no, the East is definitely stronger than it has been in the past. I mean, even with the Nets, you know, struggling with COVID and, and the injuries and, you know, Kyrie being out, they're still a pretty good team. You know, Milwaukee's still going to be there. Obviously, we talked about Chicago. Um, I think the Wizards, they kind of have it, and they don't sometimes, but that's still a pretty good team. Um, and then you know the youngest ball brother has his team pretty much up there as well. And then we can't forget about our home team, Cavs. You know they're a young team, but they're playing hard, and they're they're a hard defensive out for anybody in the league at this point. So that's that's a that's a tough conference. You know it's not it's not as weak as it has been in the past. So I definitely agree with you there. For my who's hot and who's not, um, I'm gonna actually go with the same team but I'm going to go with a player and then a team so for who's hot LeBron's hot he's on fire but unfortunately the Lakers are not hot (laughs) I don't know how that's possible but LeBron is averaging like I think it was somewhere around like 33 34 points a game over the past like seven games you know right around 10 assists and then right around like sorry right around 10 rebounds and right around eight assists so like he's just going off you know at At his age, at what he's doing, playing at this high level, I don't think anybody can really question, you know, his greatness at this point. But the Lakers are still losing games. So they are my not hot. (laughs) And I don't know if it's just injuries, COVID, or everybody was kind of excited for this, like, you know, this team they put together. But unfortunately, it's not the team in their prime. Like, we're not getting Melo in his prime. We're not getting Howard in his prime. You know what I mean? I think even Westbrook is pretty much out of his prime at this point. That trade was kind of a little little weird to me, but, I mean, it is what it is. I think they they thought they had to do it, but I don't know. It's definitely interesting. It'll be interesting seeing it going forward. I think they said going forward they have the hardest remaining schedule in the NBA, and they couldn't even win the majority of their games when they had the easiest schedule in the NBA for that first part of the – for the first fourth of the season. So – It'll be interesting to see how they figure it out and how they turn it around. Because if LeBron's going off like this and they can't win, I don't really know.
2: <laughs> On the kind of the flip side of that, really, when you think about it, is how much of it is COVID and injuries, and how much of it is egos and stuff like that.
0: I don't think it's like I, I just think that they're not they're not the players that they used to be. I mean, it's it's hard it's hard to get. Unfortunately, like. I don't want to say that they're old because, you know, most of them are under 40 years old, but when you talk about sports wise, it's, it's hard to go out there at 35 plus and run up and down the court all game, every single game. You know what I mean? Like those, they're, they're not coming off the bench. Like Mello was coming off the bench. The white Howard was coming off the bench. Like these guys are now starting, they're playing significant minutes. Like this is so much different than, than what their roles had been the past couple of years. And That's hard to do that consistently. And, you know, obviously LeBron's able to do it, but he's a freak. I don't, I think we've kind of already, you know, figured out that he's just different. It is what it is, but (laughs) I just, I don't know. I, I think it's more of like a, I think at the trade deadline, they might, they might try to get a little bit younger. I don't know how they get younger, but I think they need to kind of infuse some youth. And I think that they need to look back on losing Caruso. And I think that's probably their biggest mistake at this point. Because I think he could have he could have done what Westbrook is doing right now and they would have
1: been fine. What do you think? Yeah. On the Lakers, um it's it's very interesting. I saw they just haven't played together a lot. They have had a lot of injuries. They have had a lot of COVID issues. Um, I saw a stat, I believe it was the Lakers are the only team that doesn't have a five-man unit that's played a hundred minutes together. So they've been playing crazy lineups. Um, So, I mean, they're, they're not gelling, they're not in sync, but even when everyone has been healthy, they haven't been great. Like you said, LeBron has been going off. um, But to me, I think it's tough because I'm with you. I think they have to make some moves, but they don't really, they're not really able to make moves with a lot of their contracts um, I was looking into some like potential trades for them and it's really tough. The only asset that they really have is um, their young player, Taylor Horton Tucker. And even then, I mean, he's not going to net you something, something game changing. So I think they're going to have to make some strategic moves. I think that they're going to have to try to see what they be, you know, flexible and see what they can do with that Taylor Horton Tucker asset if they're going to go for it this year, which they're running out of time on a lot of these guys. So it's very interesting to see um, how they're going to progress throughout this season.
0: Yeah, that'll be maybe a, a whole topic for another episode. <laughs> but to move on, we are going to move on to our second quarter topics. And this is going to be our home team uh, quarter here where the guys get a chance to talk about their favorite home team teams. And obviously, I think we're all Cavs fans here. So instead of us all talking about the Cavs, (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and let Evan take this one on and give the report on the Cavs, and then we'll move on to third quarter.
1: Yes, absolutely. So just in general, uh, for this season, I think everyone can say the Cavs have been a great surprise this season. Uh, Many people, again, projected the Cavs to be in the bottom of the Eastern Conference, that bottom portion of the league. Maybe people thought we might be uh, looking at some mock drafts by this point in the season, Um, but but they have played very well and they've definitely overachieved Um, at the time of recording this, they're uh, 20 and 11, uh, 20 and 12. They just lost tonight to the Washington wizards. Um, And they're in fifth place in the Eastern conference, which is much better than I think any of us expected. Um, And they are doing this with their defense right now. They're the second best defensive team in the league right after the golden state warriors and uh, Evan Mobley. I mean, he has been an amazing rookie for this team. Uh, he's he's a great offensive and a smart offensive player, but he really makes his his impact on the defensive end. Um, for me, he might be the best and smartest rookie defensive player that I've seen in my lifetime. Maybe Anthony Davis. Uh, they have a similar defensive style. Um, so, you know, you could compare those two, but I think that's that's a great start for Evan Mobley. And then pairing him along with Jared Allen there and that big man lineup with Lori Markkinen as well just makes it really tough uh, for teams to score inside on the Cavs, and we've seen that. To me right now, I think both Jared Allen and Darius Garland have great cases to be all-stars this season, um, especially with the all-star game taking place in Cleveland, which is super exciting. Um, It is quite sad that there's a couple very recent uh, injuries and outages. Uh, Ricky Rubio just tore his ACL, uh, I believe it was last night or two nights ago, He's now out for the season, um, and he joins Colin Sexton, who tours meniscus earlier in the season, so um, I'm hoping they're able to make this last. Darius Garland also just entered the health and safety protocols uh, on December 28th, Um, so right now, and as we saw in that game, they just played against the Wizards. They don't have much point guard depth anymore. Um, They had Garland and Rubio, a great two-man duo but they don't really have people who can uh, handle the ball and run the offense right now. Uh, It was reported earlier today that they're nearing a trade to acquire Rajon Rondo from the Lakers. Uh, We were just talking about the Lakers. So we'll see if that gets finalized uh, tomorrow. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that deal, but I do think he, you know, at least he's obviously an extremely smart player. He can play make um, in a backup role. As long as we don't rely on him too much for scoring, I think we'll be okay. Um, But, in general, I'm just very excited about the Cavs. And I think uh, one reason I've had so much fun watching none this season is there were no huge expectations going into the year. So it's just been, everything's just been basically like cash money or house money on this season. So I've really enjoyed watching them this year.
0: Yeah, I can't, I can't agree with you more on that one. I think in Ohio versus we talk about it all the time, like them and the blue jackets, especially like, they've been such a huge surprise this year and you know, like you said losing rubio is that's huge I, I think greg and i talked about it the other night and it's just that's that's a tough one because that's a veteran guy that came in and he was giving them really quality minutes and helping lead that second unit especially and with Sexton out he was he was a really big you know contributor so you know you talking about them potentially going out and getting rondo i, I kind of was on that same boat that they needed to go out and get another veteran point guard who could lead that team and and i think rondo is is a good piece to add especially with depth and then especially filling that that rubio role that, that they're going to miss and once sexton comes back from that meniscus then hopefully like you said they, they kind of hit the ground running again and, and they stay in that playoff race because i think that defense is that's going to be a fun defense especially when stuff starts slowing down and they they might catch a few people in the playoffs who knows you know what I mean? I don't I don't know if that's a, a championship team yet, but I think that that they could they can make a run that we're just like, wow, OK, cool. Awesome. So, yeah, no, that's super exciting. I think we're all super excited as Cavs fans. So, <laughs> all right, to move on to our third quarter, which is going to be kind of the meat of our episode here, we're going to kind of go over a lot of the big topics that we talked about in the beginning. And of course, we have to talk about Steph Curry breaking Ray Allen's career three point record. And just to kind of break down the moments that led up to that, obviously with one minute, obviously one minute into the game against the Knicks, he tied the record. And at the seventh minute and 28th second mark, he broke the record with Ray Allen in attendance and as well as Reggie Miller calling the game, who is now third all time. So obviously the Knicks got to call the timeout and they got to have that moment with the three of them. And I think, personally, that was really fun. I like that they did that. And obviously, he's just going to keep breaking the record over and over again until he retires. But how did you guys feel about that moment in general? I'll let David go ahead and start. It
2: is very impressive. I got to give the guy, I got to give credit where credit is due. I may not be the biggest Steph Curry fan in the world, and a lot of people can say that, too. But I, I can't deny that. And for the fact that he was able to do it with still another good two years, maybe in the tank, roughly, who knows?
0: I'd say a little bit more than two years, but I mean,
2: yeah. (laughs) Two, three years at least. But anyways, the fact that he was able to do it anyways is still impressive. So that's, that's what I have to say with it.
0: I mean, anytime you break a record, it's impressive. You know what I mean? I think. I think a lot of people might dog on him because, you know, we're we're in the, the league now where three-point shooting is pretty much a standard. And if you don't at least hit, you know, two or three threes a game, then, you know, what's the point in playing basketball, I guess. But <laughs> I don't know. I think that that some people might kind of dog him on that one. But but he's hit he's hit three-pointers at a higher level than anybody in this time period where three-point shooting is at a premium. And I think that that should be recognized as well. Evan, how did you feel about this moment?
1: Yeah, um, similar to David, you know, we're all Cavs fans here. We had that great rivalry with the Warriors back in those four straight finals. Um, So there was a long time that I was watching Steph earlier in his career. And during those years that, you know, I was kind of hate watching him, as you say, just wanting him not to succeed, wanting the Warriors not to uh, play well. But in the last couple of years, I've really um, tried to watch and just appreciate, uh, you know, his game and what he's done in this league. You know, his, his father was in the NBA, so I don't want to say he was an underdog, but he he wasn't highly recruited out of high school. You know, going to Davidson in North Carolina, very small school, um, you know, wasn't first overall pick, anything like that. He worked his way up. And um, with what you were saying about how the, the NBA is so three three pointer centric, he started that revolution. So, I mean, um, it was just it was a great moment. In, in Madison Square Garden, you know, New York City, the Mecca of basketball, as they call it, I think it was the perfect place for it to happen. And, yeah, I thought it was really cool um, to see Ray Allen there, courtside, Reggie Miller, they were all cheering him on. Um, so I just thought I, I really appreciated that, too. You know, they were they were cheering for their for their legacy to move on in the next stage of the game. So, you know, sometimes older players can get a little uh, spiteful and things like that. But I like to see the uh, camaraderie between those guys there at the game as well.
0: Yeah. And I think it helped that, that he, he's the one who, who beat them. You know I mean? I think it was, if it was somebody else, they might've been like, you know, I think they would have been like, Oh, congratulations. But I don't think they would have made as big as a deal out of it, but because it's him, like you said, somebody who's kind of transcended the sport um, in the direction that it is and, and kind of changed the way that, you know, the youth comes up and plays the game. I think that, that they definitely were very happy that he was the one to. So, but to kind of, segue into, you know, that, you know, the youth of today is kind of moving towards that more three-point centric basketball. Um, Evan, do you think anybody will ever, you know, break Steph's record? Obviously, he's going to keep setting the new record until he retires. I mean, we could see him with almost 4,000, you know, threes maybe in his career before he's done. Um, do you think that anybody will ever break that or do you think that's something that's going to be pretty much untouchable?
1: So, I've gone both ways a little bit on this one, thinking. Um, But I I do personally think that this record will eventually be broken just because of the revolution, as we were talking about, that Steph changed the way the the basketball is played, um, really from the youth level on up. Um, So, you know, the volume of threes, I did some research when he entered the league and now the volume of threes when he entered the league in 2009 to 2010 season, um, teams on average were attempting 18.1 threes per game this season it's up to 35.5 threes per game. So it's essentially doubled in that time period, um, which is just insane. And I think Steph Curry definitely led that revolution um, along with teammate Klay Thompson, who we'll talk about in a little bit here. Um, One thing I just found interesting about, you know, kind of the evolution of the game, I found a tweet uh, by by Pat Bolin, who's the Indiana Pacers radio host and uh, sideline reporter. And he said, some perspective on the greatness of Reggie Miller as Steph Curry approaches Ray Allen's three-point record tonight. Curry is taking 8.7 threes per game in his career. If Reggie Miller were to shoot the same amount of shot attempts and his percentage stays the same, Reggie Miller would have made 4,739 threes. Um, so I think just the way that the game has evolved from Miller's time to Curry's time, and I think it will continue to keep evolving. So I think this record will eventually be broken just be but i think it's it will be a testament to the three-point revolution that steph started i'm not sure if there's anyone in the league currently who will do that the only person maybe might be trey young just just by the volume of threes that he shoots but he doesn't shoot with the efficiency that steph curry does so i i think it'll probably be someone coming up maybe they're in high school now maybe they're in middle school now um so i think it'll be quite some time
0: yeah yeah i mean i agree with you i think the majority I don't want to put a percentage on it, but I, I think at least ninety percent of records they'll get broken. They're meant to be broken. Those, those those are things that are that are meant to be broken. And I think obviously there are some things that that may never be broken. I think you can go back and look at like champ the amount of championships that people have won. I think those are records that might stay. Kind of look at like Tom Brady in the NFL, and um, and I just I don't think that those things are ever going to be broken. But I I do agree with you. And and there's probably some kid they're in sixth grade that's just shooting threes every single day, hundreds of them. And he's like, I'm going to be the next Steph Curry. And I think that's what we'll see. You know what I mean? I I do agree with you. I think Trey young might come close. You know, I think LaMelo ball could be one, um, as he kind of continues to develop, um, even Lonzo's kind of developed that three point shooting, you know, and they're, they're both kind of those, those guards and stuff like that. But I don't know. I, I, I think it'll be a while before we see somebody break it. Cause like I said, I, I think he's going to get close to 4,000, if not over. Um, And, you know, I know David said he only has two years left, but I think he's got a little bit more than that. (laughs) But I think I said,
2: at least,
0: at least uh, I think he's got at least like four years of, of dominance of where he's at. And then maybe a couple more years where we kind of see him tail off a little bit, but with the way that medicine is now, I mean, look at LeBron. I, again, I don't even know. I can't even talk about it, but <laughs> so what do you think, David? Do you think that his record will be broken or do you think he'll hold it, you know, for the eternity of time?
2: I think that it will eventually break, be broken. Um, as to when, I don't know. Um, just on um, how the game is being played. It's like that. that is one of the things that is going to be broken again, probably. Again, focus on that probably. It's not like baseball where a lot of the records that have been held or are being held by players who played in the early 1900s or played in the 50s and played literally through the 80s or 70s into the early 2000s. This could be broken again at some point. As to when, I just don't know. I, I'm not going to put a figure on it because literally it could be broken within the next five or so years, but it could also be broken again in the next 20. We don't know. So I'm not I'm not going to put a number on exactly. So that's what I have to say.
0: Yeah. I mean, you got to think of his tot- the totality of his career and how many years he's played. I mean, somebody would probably have to play – close to that many years to, to come close to breaking it. So I think he's gonna hold it for a while, but to kind of move on to the next topic in our third quarter, we're gonna talk about his teammate, Klay Thompson. Obviously Klay Thompson has been out for an extended period of time due to multiple different injuries that he's sustained over the past couple of years. And as of um, December 16th, they have kind of started talking about his return and he's been kind of ramping up in practice. Um, I know that they talked about maybe the 20th or 23rd, obviously we're past that point. They also talked about the 28th, who obviously we're past that point as well. So I think likely that we'll see him in the new year. But what do you guys think he's going to look like when he returns? And how do you think that's going to affect, you know, the Warriors play? And do you think it's going to make their case basically as the ultimate favorites for a championship this year? What do you think, David?
2: I think it just improves. Obviously, the way that he plays may be different because after you come off a serious injury, it's not often that you see a player just come out and be aggressive. They're going to be a little conservative at first, make sure that the science, or not the science, make sure that everything works, everything's solid, and make sure it's all together. So early on, it's probably going to just be more of, a moral thing than anything, just having him back, knowing that he's back and have him and Curry bouncing off each other again, like they've done for years now, I should say. So I can see it being more just an upward, up being an upward rise and solidifying that they might be the team to beat.
0: Okay. All right. Evan, uh, what do you think that his return will look like? And then what do you think that he adds to their, you know, championship run they're going to go on?
1: Yeah, so I would I would tend to agree. Um, I do think he will be be pretty rusty to start out with. Um, he hasn't played an NBA basketball game in 931 days, as of when we recorded this, which is a crazy long time. Um, I think his shot will come back um, quicker than everything else. I think, you know, we've seen older players like, like Ray Allen, Um, be able to continue shooting um, up into earlier years. And I think we've seen, you know, Kevin Durant come back with an injury. We've seen uh, things like that happen recently with the uh, improvements in medicine, but I don't think that he will be nearly as impactful on defense. Klay Thompson was a great defensive player um, in his prime. And I just think that, you know, the quickness and the short movements that you need, I think that's going to be really tough for him to adjust. So I do actually think in the short term, Um, maybe the regular season as a whole, I think he might make them a little bit worse than they are right now. Not saying they're going to, you know, fall way down. I, I think they might not finish as the number one seed though. You know, the sun and the jazz will have more consistency with their team. I think they could fall down to maybe the three seed. Um, the Warriors also run a very complicated defense. So I think it'll take some time to learn that they run actually a lot of mixes of zones and man to man. Um, so while clay is very intelligent, I think just getting back out there. It'll be a bit tough for him. Um, and a lot of this team, even though, you know, you have the same core of Draymond, Steph, and Andre Godal is even back, a lot of these guys he hasn't really played with. You know, Andrew Wiggins, Gary Payton the third, Juan Descano Anderson, these are all newer guys. So it'll take a while to gel. Um, but as David was kind of saying, I think by the time the playoffs roll around, I think he'll be up to speed. And I think as of right now, you know, when they get him back, if they really start gelling right before the playoffs, I think they're extremely dangerous, and I think, like, right now, they would be my pick to win the finals.
0: Okay. I kind of – I'm going to agree with you guys on some parts. I'm going to disagree with you guys on some parts. The thing I'm going to agree with you guys on is that when playoff time comes around, that is going to be the team to beat. I think at the end of the day with what they have, I think that they are they should be the favorites. I mean, obviously, Steph and Clay alone are probably enough to get them over the hump, but when you talk about, you know, having – you know, Jordan Pohl and um, and Wiggins. And Wiggins is kind of like their Harrison Barnes they had years ago. And I think that he even might be a little bit of an upgrade. And obviously Draymond is still Draymond. And um, they have a lot of the another young guys that can kind of step up and they've been playing really well too. So I think that that team is going to be the team to beat. Obviously, when you look around the rest of the league, the Suns are right there. The Jazz are always right there. On the other side, you still have the Bucks and you still have the Nets with KD, and you can never count those guys out. So, but what I will disagree with you on is I think when he finally plays, I think he's going to be pretty much ready to go. I can see where you're saying the defensive side of it. I do think that he might he's gonna have a little bit of an adjustment on that, but I think the hesitation the hesitation isn't gonna be there as much because they keep pushing it back. And I don't think they you know, I obviously they keep pushing it back because he might have like a little bit of a setback, but I also think they're pushing it back because they don't really need him to be on the court for them to win games. Like realistically, he could come back after the trade deadline. He could come back after all-star break. He doesn't have to come back even this month, you know, or I guess the month of January. Um, so I think by the time he comes back and, you know, Steve Kerr is super smart and I don't think he's going to put him out there first game, 40 minutes, you know what I mean? Night one, He's probably only going to play like 15 minutes for the first couple of games and then he's going to play 18 and then so on and so on and so on. But I think when he hits the floor, I think he's pretty much going to be pretty close to to what we've seen and he's going to go be playing free and having fun. And I just I think that they've been kind of pushing it back because they want him to, you know, be as ready as possible and do as much, you know, five on five and, and game simulation and practice. And I think he'll hit the ground running. I think his first shot is going to be an assist from Curry and he's going to knock down a three and everything's going to be all right in the world. And like you said, as, as much as we battled with them as, you know, Cavs fans for all those years, you know, that I, I do, I am excited to see these guys back on the court together. I think there was a tweet out that, you know, um, uh, their coach before Kerr Kerr took over, he said that this was going to be the best backcourt in um, NBA history. And You know, as lofty as I think that that goal was for them at that time, I think that they have pretty much, you know, kind of captured that. I mean, obviously, there's some really good backcourts in NBA history, but I think that they are pretty close to the top. And if they can get back to that form, then I think they can solidify that over the next couple of years. To move on to another player who's been out for this whole year and, you know, most of the past, I would say, three or four years, I don't think he's played very many games either, whether that was with injury or Um, obviously this year with the whole COVID situation, it is Kyrie Irving. And the moment that they decided to start using him as a part-time player, not a full-time player, he had to enter COVID safety protocols, of course. So I guess the question is, did the Nets make the right choice in bringing Kyrie back if he can only play away games? Um, And did they bring the right choice bringing him back if he's immediately just entering the health and safety protocols what do you think Evan
1: yeah i think if they had always planned to bring him back you know for the playoffs if they had this plan they better start now might as well uh, especially because he's only going to be playing in away games and he is going to be able to practice with the team which is helpful originally he they didn't think he was going to be able to um but it's going to take a long time to gel if he's only playing half of the games um i almost have a opposite viewpoint from my warriors take on this, where I think during the regular season, especially, you know, during longer road trips or uh, games with, you know, back to backs, I think he can definitely take a lot of pressure off of Kevin Durant. um, And I think that could be extremely useful for the Nets. Kevin Durant has really carried the load for them this season um, with some step backs from James Harden, although he's been playing better as of late, but earlier in the season, he wasn't really contributing to the team as much as I'm sure Nets fans had hoped. Um, But what I'm really excited to see is just if this mandate stays in effect for the playoffs, I mean, just imagine how crazy it'll be in a playoff series where, you know, if the Nets are at home, Kyrie can't play the first two games. Then he can play for two games. Then he can't play for one. Then he can. Then he can't. So just game planning, you know, if you're against the Nets, how do you game plan for that? As well as if you are the Nets, how do you game plan for that kind of inconsistency? Um, I think that'll be extremely interesting to watch. I do think it really helps that they went out and got Patty Mills this off season. Um, You know, he's a a six man role where he's he's been starting a lot for them, but you know, in general, he's a, he'd love to have him as a bucket getter off the bench. So he does play a similar style to Irving. So I think maybe that's how they can kind of breed some consistency within the inconsistency where maybe they have Patty Mills taking up some of Irving's um, role on offense and maybe work through there. But I'm really interested to see that if, if they get to the playoffs and this mandate is still in effect. Um, I think it'll be, you know, something unlike we've ever seen before in the playoffs, really. Okay, what do you think, David?
2: I mean, yeah, Kyrie can be definitely a game-changing player. And I think that the his team teammates know that, and having him there would definitely help. However, I think that there's also a trust factor as well and him missing pretty much his entire career with the Nets uh due to injuries and now this covid mandate in the state of New York it's it's hard to say if he'll ever connect with the players that they would hope he would and so for me it's more just the trust issue and how they'll connect because we all know that Kyrie can be a great player. We saw when he was in Cleveland. So, and he was in Boston for a very quick time. So if he was in Boston for really quick, what does that say about Brooklyn? And the only reason I'm bringing that up is because he's been on that team for what has it been now, three years now, two, three years. And he's barely played.
0: Yeah. I'm going to say something a little crazy here and, maybe Evan won't like it, but I think that Kyrie is a person that the Nets should probably trade away at the trade deadline. Um, it doesn't make much sense to keep a player that can only play half your games. And I can get the intriguing factor behind it. Um, I don't think it was a bad choice to bring him back because obviously they have the injuries, they have the, you know, the players in COVID protocol. So <laughs> they need a body. And, and no one's saying Kyrie's not a good basketball player. I think when he puts his full mind into playing basketball, he is, a top 10 basketball player in the league at worst. You know what I mean? So, and, and he could even climb up the ranks. I mean, like David said, we we had the opportunity to watch him in a Cavs uniform for a really long time. And when LeBron left, Kyrie was really the only person that kind of kept that that franchise watchable for all those years, um, even though they still lost a lot of games, but he was a, the person I think really attracted LeBron to come back to Cleveland and 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 ultimately, was a huge part in winning that championship i mean i think a lot of people give credit to lebron but Kyrie played a really big part in that championship win and that that comeback from you know down 3-1 so i think that we've we've seen him at his height but i think i think karma bit him in the butt a little bit when he decided that he wanted bigger and better things than you know cleveland ohio and he wanted bigger and better things than playing with lebron james and he went to the celtics and he got hurt and then the celtics did better than they ever did that first year that he was hurt in the playoffs than they did when he came back and he was healthy. And then obviously he left and went to Brooklyn. And like David said, I don't think he's, he hasn't, I don't even think he's played 30% of the game in Brooklyn. I mean, that might be a little low, but I think that's pretty close to <laughs> the number there. And I just, I think when you look at it as the Nets, they need to, they need to keep Kevin Durant interested in staying there because Kevin Durant is not going to want to stay there if he's not going to win a championship. And unfortunately, you know, James Harden, I think, is pretty much close to past his prime. He's on the decline, and I don't know if he's good enough to keep Kevin Durant around. So I think they bring Kyrie back. He plays 10 away games. People see, wow, Kyrie's still really good, and then they put him on the trade block and see what they can get for him because, I don't know, that's, like I said, you can't have a guy that can only play half your games, and if he's going to get injured anyway, you might as well sell, sell high when he's playing really well and he's healthy, so and maybe see if a team will give you some, maybe a couple all-stars and some picks and returns that you guys can make a playoff run and then you can kind of figure it out in the offseason. But I don't know. Do you think I'm crazy for saying that, Evan,
1: or do you think maybe I'm on the right track? I think you're thinking on the right track. Um, I think for the Nets, it would make sense to trade him, right? This is a New York City mandate. If he were to be traded, he could play no problem in, in any other city, I believe, besides Toronto and San Francisco. The problem is, it's been heavily reported that if if the Nets trade Kyrie to another team, it's been reported that Kyrie will retire from the NBA before playing for a different team. So, if you're another team, what are you going to give up from a player that you may get zero games out of? Um so I think it does put the Nets in a really tricky situation because I'm sure internally, um, with their general manager with their front office, I'm sure that they've had those thoughts odd be, You know, imagine just trading Kyrie for you know Damian Lillard or something of that. I'm sure they would do that in a heartbeat, but I think the the value is just not there on the other side because teams aren't sure if Kyrie is going to play any games for them if they trade for him, and you're not going to give up a big asset for someone who may not play a game for your team. So it that's another just very interesting situation. And Kyrie is a very interesting person, a great basketball player, um, but he's making some very interesting storylines this NBA season for sure.
2: I think that. A big part of Kyrie's issues is he is his own ego and the fact that he gets in his own head. It's like, yes, we don't deny the fact that he's an amazing player, but again, I think he gets too ahead of himself and in his own head, because there are far better players than him. Maybe not many, but there still are.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think um I don't I don't want to say that he's this drastic on that side but you know to me he he to locker rooms is like what Antonio Brown to locker rooms was in in the NFL and like I said I I don't think that you can say that they they haven't done the same things obviously Antonio Brown had his own his own ailments and and Kyrie has had his own as well but I think when you talk about just locker room presence and and what they leave behind and what they do to locker rooms I mean look at what the Celtics are now look at what their trajectory could have been. I don't know. I mean, you look at that team year one, when they made the playoffs and gave the Cavs a run for their money. I think that you look at what they are now and you're like, what, the other day they went two for 47 for threes or something like that's, that's crazy. Like, I I don't know. I mean, I just, it is, it is interesting and I think they just have to go to him and be like, listen, your future is not here. So if you want to retire, go ahead and retire. If you don't, and you still want to play basketball, then give us a short list of like at least five teams that we can make trades with that you'll go play for, and we'll let them know that you're willing to play for them. And then that way we can we can make a deal. You can play basketball. We can get something back in return, and we'll move on in part ways. But I just think him being on that team any longer is going to cause Kevin Durant to leave. And then where are they? Because they made a bunch of moves and a bunch of trades. And when you look back, what, three or four years ago, that team would, do, you know, D'Angelo Russell and Jarrett Allen, like, that was a nice team. That was a nice team that when you look projected-wise, I think they would be in a similar spot as they are now. So, you know, obviously they don't have Kevin Durant, but I still think that they'd be a competitive team within the East. Not to kind of dwell on this topic, we'll move on. <laughs> and we're going to talk about the, obviously, uptick in COVID cases in the past few weeks within the NBA as of um, December 30th, there are currently 128 players out in health and safety protocols. I think there's about an average of 4.3 per team. And then as of December 30th, again, in just 72 days, there was a record of 541 players who have played in an NBA game this season. I think that set the most um by any season obviously the past couple seasons that I think the past three seasons that record has just been continually breaking and obviously this year I think it's going to kind of blow it out of the water I think we're going to have you know another at least 50 different guys who are going to be in the league by the end of the season just because of what's happening um I mean I think I just saw a TikTok from Richard Jefferson that said he was trying to make a comeback so (laughs) I don't know if that's real or not but I mean hey It is what it is. If you can get a 10 day and come play some basketball and have some fun, I mean, why not? So I guess the question is, you know, how do you guys feel about all of these guys that have been getting all these 10 days? And do you think that has kind of impacted play this year? Do you think it's made it, you know, a little bit different, a little bit more fun than what we've kind of seen in the past? David, what do you think?
2: I can't say that it isn't surprising. Let's be honest. It's the fact that it's a mix of COVID and the team willing, wanting to play, put a, at least a team on the court and at least have a backup team to that team. You can't really say that this record of players playing isn't surprising at all. So, but to the question of, does this make it more interesting, more fun? I don't know about fun, but it definitely makes it more interesting because, These are guys that are getting a chance that they would not otherwise get. So we are seeing players that are trying to break into the league and give teams a reason to sign them to at minimum a year or two contract and maybe at the league's minimum. So I think it definitely makes it more interesting because we're seeing guys that just want to play.
1: Okay.
0: Evan, how do you feel about it?
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. Um, I, I'm very excited to see these players who, like you're saying, they're signing these 10-day contracts. You know, there's all these great uh, veterans coming back, and we like to see, you know, I just saw Mario Chalmers was signed to a 10-day contract with the Heat. He hasn't played in, I believe, four seasons. Um, Isaiah Thomas is back, obviously. Um, but i have really like to see those guys who have been called up from the G League who probably wouldn't have gotten a shot if this didn't happen. Um, And, you know, some of those guys are going to stick around and they're going to they're going to make an impact on the league that wouldn't have happened without this. Um, I will say we were talking about records being broken. I do think, you know, you never know. But I I hope that this record of most players playing in an NBA game, that one might be unbeatable by the time this season's over. Um, And I hope so, because, you know, heaven forbid we have another global pandemic um but we've we've clearly seen the nba at this point is going to push on and they're going to play um through this doesn't seem like we're heading towards the pause at any point um so they're going to make the most of it and i think it's it's fun watching in general but it's not fun if your team is uh down all those guys i know when i was watching the Cavs play the raptors the other night um i was seeing a lot of raptors fans on twitter you know just like, I mean, the Cavs beat them by about like 45, I think. And the Cavs had some guys out, but the Raptors, I believe had three of their actual rotational players and their best player was Yudu Watanabe, um, who's most known for getting dunked on by Anthony Edwards last year. And he put up like 30 points for them. So it's, it's fun to see these guys get their opportunity. Um, But I'm sure a lot of these teams are waiting to get their regular players back because it, it is making an impact in the standings. You know, it's, it's not like it's not going to have an impact on the season and we'll look back on these couple games when we get towards the end of the year towards playoff time and say man you know if if we kept our guys you know some teams are going to be saying we would be in there but you know what can you do yeah
0: yeah I mean I think a lot of the you know professional sports have kind of taken a cue from the NFL and there's always somebody else who's willing to play and you could put them out there and and they'll play it might not be as good as it would have been if you had your guys but there's always somebody that's willing to play and and they're going to play the games no matter what so i mean i know we saw the nhl have a stoppage but i think that they had a little bit more of a crazy spread of the virus than than a lot of these other leagues had you know it was it was more instant um so but yeah they're gonna play and it doesn't matter if you haven't played in four years like mario chalmers or you've been sitting behind a desk like Richard Jefferson, I think you're going to get an opportunity if you can still, uh, still shoot a basketball. So I don't know, maybe David will get an opportunity, who knows, be the the next Elton brand. So we'll <laughs>
2: see. <laughs> yeah. Short fat guy play basketball. That would okay. be interesting.
0: <laughs> but to kind of, I want to get your guys's, you know, a little fun opinion on who you think has been the best, you know, replacement player so far, the best 10 day guy so far. I know that, You know, a lot of guys have only maybe played like four or five games max. But uh, Evan, who's your uh, who's like your MVP of the replacement players so far?
1: So, yeah, it it was tough because, like you were saying, a lot of these guys maybe played three or four games. Um, But I have actually been extremely impressed. And one guy I think might stick around is Greg Monroe. Um, He was the lottery pick back in 2010 for the Pistons. Yeah, he had a a pretty solid career for a couple of years and just kind of tailed off at the end. Uh, he was signed to a 10-day contract by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, he's just played in two games, um, but in those two games, he's between the two average nine points, seven and a half rebounds, five assists, one steal, and two blocks. So he's kind of stuffing the stat sheet, um, and I really like him as a backup role to Carl Anthony Towns. Um, the Timberwolves don't really have a true backup center on their roster. They play Jared Vanderbilt a lot. He's not really, you know, a true a true backup center. So I like. Greg Monroe sticking around there, maybe being able to get Carl Anthony Town some more rest. Um, I see him almost as to like what Drummond is for Joel Embiid, you know, somebody who can just go out there and on your second unit, they can get your rebounds and they can they can do a little bit of scoring if you need to. So I've been really impressed with him. I did not think he was going to play this well when I saw him being picked up. Um, but I, I think he might be able to stick around at least for maybe the rest of the season. All right. Well, you, you stole my guy.
0: So I'll go with somebody else. who He was, he was my second that I thought was doing really well. And that's going to be Brandon Knight. Um, I think obviously he kind of came out with the Mavs signed him to a 10 day contract. He's only played three games, but in those three games, he's averaged 10 points, uh, 2.3 rebounds and 2.7 assists at 45% field goal percentage, which is crazy good for somebody. I don't think who was played in a little bit and he's just been really electric for them coming in and, uh, you know he's only played i think 18 minutes per game in those three games that he's played but like i said he's been super electric dunking on people and i think adding a little bit of a different energy to that team and i think he's a guy that could also stick around for them going forward like Greg Monroe will for uh Minnesota and i think adding again that veteran presence that'll be a fun one and also with Brandon Knight you get you get funny situations that happen so cuz do some funny things some JR Smith moments but um hopefully he continues to play well and, and take this you know this second opportunity that he's gotten and and run with it so alrighty, we are going to move on to fourth quarter where we're going to break down the best game of last week and the game to watch for the upcoming week so I just wanted to quickly get the guys' opinion on the best game of last week and we kind of decided on the Grizzlies versus the Suns that happened on the 27th obviously the Grizzlies edged out the Suns 114 to 113 Devin Booker hit a Three with about five seconds left in the game to put them up. But then obviously, John Morant came back with the layup with half a second remaining to end the game. So, David, what's your opinion on this game?
2: It's certainly uh, an exciting way to end a game. Let's just say that. (laughs) Uh, But quickly looking at uh, some of the points or this box score, really, uh, give me a second. You had. John Morant, post 33 points, then you got Desmond Bain, post 32 and for uh, the Grizzlies on their starting rotation, which definitely is impressive to say the least, that's 60 points and almost half of them, that is half of them, being from two players. Whereas for the Suns, you had Devin Booker who had 30. Chris Paul at 13, uh, and Cameron Johnson at 19. So while definitely more spread out than uh, the Grizzlies were, being that you got points off the bench and from your overall starters, I think that this was an exciting game to really watch overall.
1: Okay. How did you feel about the game, Evan? So I was very excited when I saw this you know, game coming up. Um, These are two of the top teams um, in the Western Conference. You know, Memphis a little bit lower down, obviously, than Phoenix. Um, But I was excited because the Grizzlies had been playing extremely well for a long period of time without John Morant. John Morant was hurt um, for an extended period. And the Grizzlies, you know, they went something like they only lost like two games out of something like 13 that he was hurt. Um, And in that, they had the the largest win in NBA history over the Thunder. They won by 73 points without John Morant. Um, And then after John Morant came back, they actually ended up losing to the Thunder. And, you know, there was a quote from John that he was he was really down about it. He was like, I just feel like I'm letting I was letting my teammates down. You know, they were playing so well. They're in such a groove. Um, So to see John Morant hit that final shot um, over the Suns, one of the premier teams of the league, I felt, you know, that was great for him. He's been having an amazing season when he's been healthy. Um, I think he could be one of those three all NBA uh, point guard selections. And to talk about, David touched on Desmond Bain. He has been just amazing this season. Definitely up there for most improved. I mean, he's come out of nowhere offensively this season. He was always kind of just a three-point shooter um, last year, but he has really taken off um, and carried a huge load for them offensively. For the Suns, um, I think that they played really well. I was really impressed with Jalen Smith, who uh, was a player who they drafted a couple years ago Um, in the lottery and he has essentially not played at all you know just not even not even uh injuries just coaches not playing they don't think he's ready he had 29 minutes in this game he put up 15 points nine rebounds um so I'm interested to see if you know obviously they were missing some pieces with DeAndre Ayton out um as the main one but I'm interested to see if Jalen Smith will continue to get a little bit more run um just to see what's in the tank for him because they've they've had him on their team for a while, but they haven't been playing him, so they see something in him, obviously. But he's he's quite raw, so I would just want to see if, if if some of his momentum from this game can carry over. But like you said, a very exciting way to end it. I think when I saw Devin Booker hit that three, I was like, it's over. You know, that's the dagger. And and uh, John Morant hit kind of a crazy contorting layup there at the end, um, which he has been known to do. So very exciting game all around. Yeah, anytime you get to see. John
0: Morant versus Devin Booker which I think this is probably going to be the future of the league you know these two guys along with you know Luca and Tatum and DeAndre Ayton I could keep going on and on but I I do think that and then the Ball brothers as well but I think that these this is the future of the league and I think these are guys that we're going to see you know battling it out in the playoffs for years to come and obviously this Grizzly team is super improved and each year they get better, and obviously each year John Moran gets better. I think that he should be an All Star this year. Um, I think if he's not, that would be a pretty big snub. <laughs> so if he's not, that'll that'll be a guy that'll definitely be on our snub list when, whenever they uh, whenever we have this conversation. But you know, I I'm a big fan of the Suns. I've always been a big fan of the Suns. Um, I, I loved watching Steve Nash, so I always kind of root for them um, when to do well and stuff like that. Unless they're playing the Caps, then I want the Cavs to win. But and I'm a huge Devin Booker fan. So anytime you get a a fun game like this, I think that 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 is amazing. So but to move on to our game that we're looking to watch this week, it is going to be on New Year's Day. It's going to be the Warriors versus the Jazz. And obviously, I think in my mind, this is probably the Western Conference finals matchup. And this is just a preview of that. Um, I I think these are two of the best teams in the Western Conference, you know what I mean, I, I do think the Suns have a really good opportunity of getting there. Um, I just think it depends on what seed they get if they sit in that third seed, then unfortunately, they have to get through the Warriors before they get to the Western Conference Championship. Um, so they really need to try to get that second seed. But I do think that the Jazz could be, you know, in that spot where they they play the Warriors in the Western Conference Championship. So What are you guys looking to get out of this game? Evan, I'll let you go first.
1: Well, for me, um, this game, you know, it's going to be the number one offense with the Jazz against the number one defense with the Warriors. Um, For me, I just, I just like to see first of all, how the Jazz defend Steph Curry, Um, you know, obviously the Jazz have been a good defensive team the last several seasons. And obviously they have Rudy Gobert manning that um, defense there. So I'd like to see what they do on the perimeter uh, to defend Steph, but just in general, I want to see how they how they get up for this big game. Um, you know, for me, the Jazz, they have to prove it to me in the playoffs. And obviously, this is not going to be a playoff game. But I think they need to come out with that kind of intensity because for the past few years, they've been near the top of the Western Conference, um, you know, during the regular season, playing great basketball. I want to see them kind of approach this as a playoff game um, and really come out with intensity and just kind of see. When things, you know, if they start to break down, who do they go to? Obviously, Donovan Mitchell is a huge offensive player for the Jazz. Um, but I want to see kind of what their what their defense looks like, especially because in that series last year against the Clippers, Clippers didn't have Kawhi for a majority of that series, and the Jazz could not defend them with the defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see what kind of adjustments they make defensively, because obviously the Warriors are, are very um, potent and lethal as we've seen, uh, this year.
0: All right, David, what are you trying to get out of this game?
2: I think that at the end, the Warriors will probably win. Uh, I think that they'll win not by much, maybe at most 10 points, something like that. Um, however, real quick, before we got to this question, I did look this up over the past like 30, 30 or 30, 35 games. I want to say 34. Um, the jazz have gotten 115.9 points game, uh, 47 rebounds, 22 assists and seven steals. Whereas the warriors, while they do have less points at 110.9, they do have 46 rebounds, 27 assists, almost 28 at this point. And nine point three steals. So, if they can get the ball off of turnover turnovers, there we go, and are able to keep it from turning it over themselves, I think that at the end of the day they end up beating the Jazz.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a fun game to watch. I think this is probably going to be one of the better games of the year. And like I said, I think this could be a preview to what we get to see in the Western Conference Finals. And I'm super excited that we got through this episode. This was so fun. We're going to finish it off with a little bit of a fun one. We're going to get into our buzzer beater section, and we're going to give some bold predictions for this upcoming week in the NBA. I'm going to let David go ahead and go first and give his bold prediction.
2: For me, I'm going to say, although I did just give the Warriors some praise, I think that the Jazz make it to the finals. I think that this is probably the best team that, the Jazz has put that – sorry, start over – that the Jazz have put out since John Stockton and Malone. Uh, So I think that they'll want to get back to the glory days of when Malone and Stockton were around and finally get a NBA championship, if possible.
0: Okay. What's your uh, bold prediction for this upcoming week, Evan?
1: So I was – Looking at a lot of different things, and you know, as we talked about the COVID issues coming in, it was just very hard to predict who's going to be playing in general from day to day. Um, so I went with a little bit of a, a negative Nancy, a Debbie Downer for my bold prediction about our hometown Cavs. I think the Cavs might not be able to win a game until Darius Garland returns um, from health and safety protocols. They they just got blown out by the Wizards tonight. Um, as we could see, they didn't have someone who could run their offense or really play a defensive point of attack point guard role um Kevin Pangos unfortunately is not an NBA starting point guard Um, I believe he's uh like 5'9 or 5'10 just doesn't have the size and just doesn't have the the skill he you know he's a smart player but I just don't think he has the skill to lead this team through this tough stretch I mean I think obviously if they do make that trade for Rondo it's going to take a while to to get adjusted obviously the, the offensive schemes that the Cavs and Lakers have been running, they're very different. You know, the Lakers are obviously a lot of isolation, a lot of, you know, getting the ball to LeBron, AD, Westbrook, whereas the Cavs really share the ball and it's going to take some time to adjust. Their next three games are against the Hawks, which um, I don't, I'm not excited to see if Kevin Fangos will have to card Trey Young. Uh, hopefully they'll put a, cor- a Coro on him, but it still could be really rough. Um, the Pacers, I think this is their best chance to get a win because uh, I believe the Pacers just lost Malcolm Brogan and their rookie Chris Duarte to COVID protocols. Uh, but then they play on January 4th, the Grizzlies. Um, and if Darius Garland is not back for that game, I don't see that game uh, going very well. So unfortunately, uh, I'm not hoping for this to happen, but I think we could have a little bit of a tough sledding upcoming here for the Cavs, you know, with their Rubio injury, with Garland now being in the health and safety protocols. They're still waiting to get Jared Allen back, um, although I believe he can clear the protocols. He just needs to get up into game condition. So it could be a next uh, rough couple of days or a rough week here for the Cavs. But obviously, I hope my prediction is wrong. <laughs> I, I think we all hope that your
0: prediction is wrong. <laughs> so I'm going to go with a really bold prediction. Now, the first part of it is not going to be that bold because it's already been you know, kind of discussed before. Obviously, they are looking to bring in Rondo. I think that that trade does happen, but I think part of that trade is there's going to be a little bit more involved than I think everybody thinks. My prediction is that the Lakers not only send the Cavs Rondo, but I think that they send, I think they send a couple, maybe, maybe another player and then maybe a pick. But I also think THT is in that trade. And I think that they get Lori Marketing back in return. Now, I know the Cavs love running that big you know, line up Laurie and adds, you know, a little bit more of an athletic big who can kind of shoot, but they are struggling in that guard position. And THT is a really good high energy athletic guard. He can shoot. Um, I think he can fill in in that point guard spot if they need to for a little bit, depending on how long Garland's out. And obviously bringing in Rondo as well will help out with that veteran guard presence. And then I think that suits the Lakers a little bit because that gives them an athletic big that can stretch the floor. And, you know, I, I think they'll lose a little bit of, you know athleticism but or maybe not athleticism but maybe spark with that THD kind of brings but I think that that benefits both teams that's gonna be my bold prediction I think that the Lakers try to make a big move and the Cavs try to bring in a lot of help on that in that guard spot going forward and maybe try to give Garland a running mate until Sexton comes back and I also don't know if Sexton is a part of their future. So maybe they kind of look at THT as a guy that can be a running mate with Garland going forward. So that's that's my bold prediction. I think that's a little it's a little crazy, but we'll see what happens.
1: But yeah, I think that's certainly bold, but I, I do like it a little bit. Um, if we were able to bring in THT, mm-hmm. something like for marketing, I mean, I would I would definitely I think be on board with that. Uh, I'm sure the salaries won't won't match up but uh why would one the why wouldn't the Lakers want Kevin Love reuniting with uh LeBron? Yeah. Uh, I don't think that I don't think they have the salary to send to yeah, make that think, work but I don't think that would switch. I know that Marketing
0: Marketing's at like 15 and then yeah. DHT is at like 9 something. Um so yeah, obviously that would be, obviously with Rondo that add like another what two two to it so they'd be, mm. it'd be close. I think like I said I think they'd have to add another player and then another pick. And then I think that they would probably have to ask for maybe like a couple million in exception or something like that. But I think that it would be it'd be a pretty close trade. I don't. And then you know, like I said, maybe if they threw in a couple extra picks, maybe in the Cavs, the Cavs would agree to um, take on the like a million or two of that contract for this for this season or whatever it may be. So it would have to work out some way. I think it would have to. The Cavs would have to get a little bit more in return in order for it to make it happen. But I think that 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 trade maybe the reason it hasn't gotten done right away because you think that'd be a pretty easy trade like maybe some cash compensation or like a future second round pick that's pretty much meaningless for rondo um, would have already gotten done so maybe there's a little bit more behind the scenes where the cab where the lakers are like yo like why don't we try to get something done and and make a push but yeah again i just want to say thank you to everyone who is listening to the first ever episode of nothing but net thank you so much to evan Um, I know, like I said, Thomas isn't with us today, but thank you so much to him. These guys came to us. They wanted to do this show. So like I said, going forward, they're going to be your hosts. They're going to be the ones presenting this to you. And um, we here at Deep Dive Sports are so excited for them to be doing this. And we have wanted a basketball show for a really long time. um, But obviously, we just haven't been able to put it together. And um, we are super excited, like I said, that these guys have stepped up to do that. But again, thank you guys so much for listening. If there's anything that you want us to talk about on this show or any show, let us know, comment below, make sure to listen to us wherever you get your podcast and go ahead and follow us on all social medias, deep.dive.sports. And you can follow our other Instagrams um, that way for other shows as well. You can kind of get to it through there. So again, thank you. And as always, we are deep dive sports until next time. Hey everyone. Thank you for listening. If you would like to hear more,
2: Feel free to listen to past episodes and look for new ones every Friday. And don't forget to follow us at deep.dive.sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for any updates. And please
0: let us know what you would like us to take a deep dive into next. As always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.